Chapter 32 Actually, Sir Link, said Princess Zelda, I think that it would be better if I progressed alone from here. My meeting with the Rito Elder pertains to some important matters of state. It would not do for me to have someone unneeded present. They stood together on the landing, just a short while before the stairs that led up to the utmost level of Rito Village. Their first trip together had been just as uncomfortable as he had feared. Indeed, in the days since before their brief stop at the ancient tech lab and Link's apparent blunder, they had spoken very little to each other. She rode ahead while he remained a few paces behind. At night, he silently made camp while she performed her evening prayers, and then they ate a quiet meal before she retired for the evening. He had never felt so uniquely uncomfortable around another person in his life, and that was truly an accomplishment all to itself. The rift between them appeared impassable. He couldn't be sure if she was lying about her meeting with the Rito Elder, but he suspected she was. Nothing she said prior to this moment had indicated this was anything beyond a routine visit to speak with the Elder regarding some simple matters. The primary reason for their visit had been to see the divine beast Vameda and speak with Rivali about his comfortability controlling it. But as the Rito champion had not been present at the village when they arrived, the princess decided to get her meeting with the elder out of the way. He didn't want to cause an argument by suggesting the princess was being less than truthful, however, and he would greatly prefer not to go see the village elder and his attendants anyway. The stares and, at times, outright hostility that he had received upon entering the village left Link feeling quite content to wait on this deserted porch. Well, I shall take your silence to mean you do not object, Princess Zelda spoke with a haughty tone, and his cheeks grew warm. Before he could say anything, however, she turned and made her way up the stairs. Sighing softly, Link turned and walked to the small rail at the edge of the porch. It hung out over the many levels of Rito Village beneath it, overlooking Lake Tatori and the Hebrew Mountain Range further north. Like many other of these landings, the rail had two open sections on either side of the center section, to allow the Rito to use them as takeoff points for flight. It was chilly here, much colder here than central Hyrule, though he reflected that it would not be so long before the seasons would change. He wondered how the harvest back in Hantano Village would proceed this year. He doubted he would be able to travel back to the village in order to oversee and assist with it, as he had in the past. Not with his new duties not with a sword on his back. A breeze began to blow past Link, and he resisted the urge to shiver. He should have brought his cloak. The wind continued to pick up, but after a few seconds he frowned. The wind was swirling around him almost like a whirlwind. It grew stronger, and he took several steps back. Suddenly a spinning form burst up from beneath the landing, carried by the gale. The figure threw open his wings, ceasing his upward motion, and to Link's surprise, the wind ceased immediately as well. Rivali, the Rito champion, 
wore clothing that was similar, though noticeably more ostentatious than the typical clothing worn by Rito. Rather than just colored fabric stretched over his breast, he wore a thin piece of metal with swirling designs etched into it. His midsection was covered by a deep red cloth, and the skirt that he had around his waist had gold trim that matched the expertly crafted bow on his back. His champion's garment wrapped around his neck like a scarf, hanging down in front in just such a way as to show the stylized image of the Rito Divine Beast to anyone looking at him, somehow still immaculately placed despite his flight. He landed on the rail, his long talons gripping the wood with ease, and he gazed down at Link smirking. Impressive, I know. Very few can achieve a true mastery of the sky, yet I have made an art of creating an updraft that allows me to soar. Ravali paused, fixing Link with his green eyes, waiting. Likely waiting for me to say something stupid like after the ceremony, Link thought. He kept his mouth firmly shut. Burrito sighed. It is considered to be quite the masterpiece of aerial techniques, even among the Rito. With the proper utilization of my superior skills, why, I really see no reason why we couldn't easily dispense of this Ganon creature. Still, Link said nothing. He stood still, watching Rivali, yet trying to feign a nonchalant posture. The truth was that he did not care for the Rito champion. He thought that Rivali had his head so far up in the clouds that he couldn't see the fields beneath him as Link's mother often said. He was arrogant and smug, and often built himself up by pushing others down. Rivali was, in short, an ass. Lorito also didn't seem to care much for Link either, considering the barely-veiled insults and snide comments that he continually flung at Link during their brief time together at the castle several weeks prior. He hopped down from the rail, folding his wings behind his back in a strangely formal manner walking forward as if he were a military commander conducting an inspection of his soldiers. Now then, my ability to explore the firmament is certainly of note. He stopped, his eyes and the musculature of his face still forming that smirk as before. He turned and placed a wing across Link's shoulders, pulling closer. But let's not, pardon me for being so blunt, let's not forget that I am the most skilled archer among all the Rito. He removed his wing from Link's shoulder, and Link tried to force himself to remain relaxed. Hylia, what is his problem? Rivali's smirk faded some, and he stepped around behind Link, slowly circling him. He continued speaking as he rounded back into view. Yet despite these truths, it seems that I have been tempted to merely assist you. He held one finger out, pointing it at Link's face. Link took a steadying breath. Easy. Stay silent. It wouldn't be good to get into an argument with the Rito champion in the middle of his home. Based on what I've seen, I might get run out of town. All because you happen to have that little darkness ceiling sword strapped to your back. Rivali withdrew his hand, gazing at his blue feathers thoughtfully. I mean, it's just asinine. Link's fingers twitched, and his expression must have shown something of dark thoughts. Because Rivali's eyes narrowed, all traces of his earlier smugness gone. Unless you think you can prove me wrong. He stepped closer, leaning down and thrusting his face forward, so that his beak was mere inches from Link's nose. Link refused to give any ground, meeting Rivali's eyes with a glare of his own. Maybe we should just settle this one-on-one. -on -one. His eyes remained fixed on Link's for another moment, daring him to act. Finally, he pulled away, 
reaching up and stroking his long, hooked beak with a feathered hand. But where? How angry would the princess be if I punched him? Would it be hard to find another Rito champion if he quit, or broke a wing? Both wings? Oh, I know. How about up there? He spun around, thrusting a wing up into the air to point at the flying divine beast Fabeto, flying overhead with the help of its spinning propellers. Rivali turned back, eyes widening. Oh, you must pardon me. His smirk returned, and Link set his jaw. His teeth began to ache. I forgot that you have no way of making it up to that divine beast on your own. Link remained resolute in his silence. He wouldn't give Rivali the satisfaction of knowing just how irritating he was. Lorito likely knew, though, based on his smug expression. Finally, he turned his back to Link again and spread his wings. He bent his knees, wings hovering just over the wooden floor, and the whirlwind began to swirl around him as before. The sudden gale forced Link to step back as dust and debris sprayed his face. He looked at Link over his shoulder, voice dripping with disdain just barely audible over the wind. Good luck sealing the darkness! And with a mighty flap of his wings, he rose with the whirlwind, spinning briefly before shooting out the top of the column of air and flying into the sky to reach the Divine Beast. Link watched as the Rito departed, clenching his fist tightly by his side. Eventually, the gale died, and he was left in silence. Link blinked away as awareness of his surroundings returned. He had spent the morning with Cass and his family, but he eventually expressed an interest in finding and speaking with Teba. Cass offered to escort him, but he had asked for directions instead. Now that Cass was finally back with his family, it didn't feel right constantly taking him away, even for a short time. Teba, it would seem, had a home on the same level as the Rito Elder, though on the other side of the spire. As he had made the climb passing by countless Rito, he could sense the unease that pervaded the populace. Rito adults looked up at the flying divine beast with despondent expressions. Parents snapped at children for making too much noise, and most of the Rito avoided walking out onto the boardwalks as much as possible, choosing to stay inside of their huts. Those that did not move out onto the boardwalks did so in quick shuffling movements, darting from hut to hut to reach their destination. To make matters even worse, he also sensed anger, division. It was subtle, and he hadn't noticed it on his first walk up to the top of the spire with Cass, but now that he was alone and able to pay better attention, he could see it. Youthful Rito that paced, wearing various weapons and bows, or gathered together in small groups to whisper. Older Rito that watched Link pass by, expressions inscrutable. The Rito City felt like it was about to pop. It was far bleaker here than he had initially thought. As he had neared the uppermost level of Rio Village, he paused on the landing, much like those below, though this one had a Rito emblem emblazed upon it with white paint. Looking at it, he realized that it was the same emblem as was on his paraglider. He could remember the king telling him that it had been made of Rito fabric. As he looked down at the landing, he was struck by an even greater familiarity with the location, and crossed over to lean against the railing, gazing out towards the distant mountains while considering the feeling. He eventually remembered why it was so familiar to him, but after seeing the memory, he wasn't sure if he was particularly happy about it. I had no idea that Rivali was so... 
Link searched for the right word, but ultimately decided to leave it at that. It didn't feel right to disparage the dead. But the memory left him feeling agitated. Not quite to the same degree as the recent memory with Princess Zelda, but this memory had been prior to that one, hadn't it? It was growing difficult for Link to keep track of the internal timeline in his mind. This one had been just a few weeks after the champion's ceremony, after he'd saved the princess and been made her knight, but before they had ventured to Death Mountain, before they stopped at the lighthouse in Akala. He wondered where the memory at the shrine took place. It had to be before the memory at the Shrine of Power, right? But try as he might, he couldn't quite sort them out in his head. He thought that it likely did, but he had nothing that could truly reconcile the two memories together. The pages of his life remained scrambled. He sighed, heavily, leaning against the railing. Damn. He had more important things to worry about than his scrambled emotions and thoughts. There was another divine beast for him to defeat. Another ally to free. He wondered what Rivali would say when he saw Link. Who are you? A voice behind him caused his back to stiffen, and he turned to see a youthful-looking Rito. Like many of the Rito, he stood taller than Link. Really, did all of the races of Hyrule stand taller than Hylians? It didn't help that Link himself was shorter than most Hylian men that he had met. The Rito's feathers were green, with a hint of blue and a pair of braids hung down on either side of his face. His golden eyes looked at Link with a mixture of curiosity and annoyance. I'm Link. What are you doing here? Link's eyebrows turned down slightly as he took in the Rito's expression and tone. I was just looking up at the Divine Beast. Usually I'm the only one here. I think everyone else is afraid to come up this high anymore. The Rito considered for a second before sitting down on the ground, reclining back on one wing while resting his other on his bent knee. You one of the lumberjacks? No. Oh, then what? Are you a merchant? Traveling craftsman? I'm here to try and help you with your divine beast problem. Oh, you're that one. The Rito, who Link thought seemed to be, at most, a young adult, looked at him curiously. Finally, he looked up at the flying automaton and grimaced. I hate it here. Link remained silent, not at all sure who the Rito was, or why he was even talking to him. He should just continue up to find Teba. That was the right thing to do. Link took a step forward, intending on doing just that. I know my mom wants me to take over the shop one day. But I hate it here. This whole place is just boring. Boring? Link asked, incredulous. Aren't you being terrorized by the Divine Beast? Well, yeah. But not really terrorized, I don't know. It usually just flies around up there. We can't do much flying when it's around, but... The Rito shrugged the shoulder he wasn't leaning against. It just seems like... That wouldn't be very boring. I guess. I think I'm just sick of being here. I don't hate the idea of being a merchant. Not really. Just not here. I want to sell more than wheat and sugar. I don't want to work in the same place I was born at. Why don't you just leave? Link asked, growing irritated at the young Rito. Didn't he have more important things to worry about than this? Where would I go? I wouldn't want to go someplace really hot like the desert. There's several towns out east. Hylian and Sheikah towns. The Rito considered that for a moment, before shaking his head. And I bet they already have a bunch of regular merchants already. 
It'd take a lot of work to try and establish myself. No, I'm probably going to just spend my whole life down here. Die here. Link sighed, shaking his head. All right, well, he trailed off, not knowing the youth's name. Dorito glanced at him. Fison. Fison? Link hesitated, looking down at the Rito. But he shook himself a moment later. Well, Fison, I've got to go. I need to meet with someone. Oh, okay. See ya. He raised his wing and Link walked past him, glancing back with a frown. It wasn't his business, really. But the Rito's selfish attitude bothered Link. With all the troubles facing his people, one would think he would care about something more... Substantial. He stopped, a thought occurring to him. Oh, damn. That's what he had been doing, wasn't it? Dwelling on the hurts caused by Princess Zelda and the irritations he'd felt at Rivali. Meanwhile, Meadow flew overhead, slowly choking the life out of the Rito. Divine Beast Vanaboris was in the south, and Ganon raged in the castle, threatening to break free at any time. And all I can think about is how the princess yelled at me. He was a fool, selfish, petulant, as bad as he'd been shortly after awakening, when he'd complained to Impa. Worse, I deserve another slap. He closed his eyes, pursing his lips. The memories hurt, it was true, but he couldn't afford to worry about that now. They were a distraction. In time, more memories would return. Perhaps he would discover how he and the princess eventually got over their animosity towards each other. Maybe he and Rivali would end up best of friends. And if not, well, 100 years was a long time to hold a grudge. Link opened his eyes and glanced back up at Meadow. That was his primary concern. Everything else could wait. He stepped forward again, feeling a renewed purpose as he began climbing the steps to the higher level. It did not take Link long to reach Teba's home from Rivali's landing. The higher Link climbed the spire, the fewer Rito he found milling about. The greatest concentration of homes and shops were further down the spire, true. But he also found numerous empty huts and structures on the uppermost levels. He suspected that fear of Meadow drove some of the populace down to the lower levels of the spire, if not to abandon the spire entirely. Teba remained, however, as did the Elder. When he walked up to Teba's hut, Link found himself inside, though he looked as though he was preparing to leave, standing by the doorway with his back to Link. He was speaking to a lavender-colored female Rito, who had her wing wrapped around a child. Look, Teba said gruffly, I'm not going anywhere tonight. I'm just going down to check on Hearth. The female Rito's expression showed worry. I know, but after what happened earlier... I'm not just going to stand by and let us be terrorized by that thing, Saki. Today was just a setback. What about Canali's orders? The female Rito, who Teba called Saki, said, before glancing past Teba and spotting Link. She opened her beak to speak further, but Teba spoke over her. If that old man thinks I'm going to sit on my tail feathers and do nothing, then he's a bigger fool than I thought. Teba's voice began to rise, anger apparent in his tone and posture. I'm the greatest warrior that we have. I'm going to bring that thing down, or I'll die trying. The child's eyes widened, and Saki pulled him closer. Teba! Teba hesitated, glancing down at the boy under Saki's wing. Every warrior must face the possibility of his death, Tulin. 
You'll need to remember that. He held the child's eyes until, finally, the boy nodded, though he still looked terrified. Teba, this is reckless. Enough! Teba swept his wing through the air in a cutting motion, and Saki snapped her beak shut. I'll return shortly. Teba turned around, before Saki could get another word in, and finally noticed Link. He met Link's eyes, his stare fierce before grunting. So, we finally arrived. I thought you fled after speaking to Kennelly. Link ignored the barb, fixing his eyes on Teba's. I need to get aboard the Divine Beast. Dorito considered him for a moment before replying. Then I guess you'd better learn how to fly. He brushed past onto the walkway that rounded the spire. Link sighed and spun, following Teba, who walked with a determined gait. Link found that he had had to hurry to keep up, despite his longer stride. You said that you wanted my help. Teba glanced at Link as he walked down the stairs. No, I said that I wanted information. I will be the one dealing with the Divine Beast. I've already defeated two of them. Great, so you can tell me how to defeat this one. Link reached out, grabbing Teba's wing to stop him. Teba yanked his wing free, fixing him with a dangerous glare. Link took a deep breath, continuing. Look, we can help each other. You want to help your village and keep your family safe, right? I need to get aboard the Divine Beast to destroy the creature controlling it. Teba turned and continued down the path. Ling clenched a fist and followed, passing by Fison, who still sat on Ravali's landing, and watched them pass. Why? Teba asked as Ling caught up to him. Why? The Divine Beast is being controlled. If I kill the creature inside, then it won't be a threat to your people anymore. No, if I destroy its weapons, it won't be a threat. Even better if I bring the entire thing down, but you want to take control of it. Why? To defeat Ganon. Larido stopped walking, fixing his gaze on Link once more. To defeat Ganon. Yes. I am freeing each of the Divine Beasts in order to use them against Ganon. Who are you? Teba's eyes narrowed. I am the Hylian Champion from 100 years ago. Link met his eyes. From 100 years ago. Yes, I was resurrected after I... Teba turned and continued walking. Link felt his face grow hot, and he hurried to follow. They made their way down several levels of Rito Village, finally arriving at another occupied hut. This one was positioned next to a bridge that crossed over to another, smaller, flat-topped spire that rose from the base of the main spire. What looked like a blacksmith's forge sat atop the spire, though its fires were currently out. Teba stepped into the hut, and Link followed, seeing a pair of Rito within. One of them was an adult male, with a dark gray, almost black feathers. His right wing was wrapped tightly in white fabric, and held in a sling. Each of his shoulders were, likewise, covered in white bandages, and it looked to Link that many of his feathers had been charred, though it was difficult to tell with their dark coloring. The other was a Rito child, no older than Cass's young daughters, with bright pink feathers, who sat on the floor with a book open in her lap. Teba, the dark-feathered Rito that Link assumed to be Hearth, said as they entered. He started to stand, but Teba waved at him to sit back down. How is the wing? Teba asked, sitting down on the floor across from him. Broken. Hearth lifted the wing slightly, wincing. 
It's going to take me a while before I'm able to work the forges again. Arth's eyes fell on Link as he entered, and he gave Teba a curious look. Teba sighed. He's here to help with the Divine Beast. Arth laughed bitterly, but his laughter gave way to coughing a moment later. The little girl looked up from her book, frowning. When Arth's cough subsided, he spoke again. A little late for that. Yeah. Well, I'm not done with it yet. Arth grunted, looking at Teba with a hard expression. He considered for a long time before nodding. I figured. Both of the Rito men fell silent, and Link glanced down to see the Rito child looking at them with a worried expression. Arth noticed her a moment later and left. Molly, why don't you give us a few minutes? Go play, but don't go far. Or I can see you. The little girl looked uncertainly between the three men before nodding. She grabbed a doll from a shelf and hurried out of the hut onto the walkway just outside. Arth watched her go, protectively, before looking back at Teba. So, going back to the flight range. Teba nodded. I'll go tomorrow. Can't fly as long as Meadow is overhead. So I'll go on foot. And your friend. Teba glanced back toward Link, fixing him with a hard stare. Finally, he nodded to the ground beside him, and Link sat down. How did you defeat the other divine beasts? You said it's being controlled by something? Link launched into an explanation of the creatures and spirits that he had encountered on the other two divine beasts. You're telling me that the spirit of Revali is still somehow up there, and you're going to save him by destroying whatever mythical demon that inhabits Meadow, Teba said after Link finished. Yes. He grunted and glanced at Hearth, who looked equally skeptical. Link reached down to pull out his Sheikah slate, opening it and navigating to the gallery rune. He found the image of him and Princess Zelda, gathered with all of the other champions. He turned it around to show the Rito. Proof that I am who I say I am. Teba raised an eyebrow, looking from the photograph to Link's face. You don't look too much like the guy in that photo right now. Link raised a hand, feeling that the hair that covered his neck. It hadn't grown as fast as he would have liked, but he was sporting a beard and shorter haircut now. There were complications. I had to disguise myself while traveling west. Right. Teba looked back at Hearth again and finally sighed. Okay. Let's say you somehow are the Hylian champion from 100 years ago. Skies, let's even say that you're right and that Ravali spirit is up there. Waiting to retake control of Meadow the moment you kill the thing inside of it. That doesn't change the fact that the thing still tries to blast anyone that doesn't have their feet on the ground. Tell me about its defenses, Link said. What does it use? Teba and Hearth launched into an explanation of the Divine Beast's methods of defending itself. Then together the three of them put together a strategy for defeating it. It was a foolhardy plan, to be sure. It would leave them more exposed than either would like, and any number of things could go wrong. But it was a plan. Link returned to Cast's home, only to find that the Rito wasn't there. According to Amali, he had taken his daughters to practice singing. Curious, Link got directions from her and soon found him and his children on a viewing platform of sorts a few levels up. As he approached, he began to hear hints of music floating on the air. Cass was there with his concertina, rocking back and forth as he played a song for his daughters, who stood in a line before him, 
arranged from the tallest to the eldest to the shortest and the youngest. The five girls sang along with Cass's song, each seeming to sing a slightly different part that came together to form a cheerful chorus. It was quite beautiful. After a few moments, Cass stopped playing, considering. Genli, why don't you and Kotz swap parts? I want you to try to sing the melody with knots. Kotz, try the harmony. I think it would be better to fit your range. Kree, you sounded as though you were having trouble finding the right key. He played a long, sweet note on his instrument, humming with it. Do you hear it? He hummed again, and this time, Kree joined him, her voice wavering briefly before matching his. Good. Keep that. He looked to his youngest daughter, standing at the end of the line, and opened his mouth to speak, but then he caught sight of Link. He smiled broadly and waved Link forward. Ah, welcome. I wondered when you would return. We are just practicing our singing. I found out that my daughters haven't been practicing nearly as regularly as I instructed in my absence. The youngest of Cass's daughters stuck her tongue out at him, and he chuckled softly. He looked back to Link. I trust you spoke with Teba. Yeah, but we can talk about that later, Link said, leaning against the railing. Do you mind if I watch? Not at all. Cass turned back to his daughters and lifted his beak, standing straighter. They all followed his lead, and when he began playing, their voices soon joined his song. Cass, too, began to sing along with them in his deep baritone. Link smiled warmly as he watched his friend sing. Cass was even more animated than usual, playing joyfully and swaying with the music. During a couple of the songs they played, his eldest daughter began to play a small handheld harp, along with Cass, and another of his daughters played a small pan flute. Rito gathered as their impromptu concert continued. Link saw Amali near the front, but he also saw Teba's wife and their son, though Teba was nowhere to be seen. The crowd grew as the afternoon gave way to twilight, with many seated on the floor of the platform and walkways. Link looked up and saw quite a few pairs of Rito feet hanging down from the next level up as well, as Moore sat there and listened. The music seemed to transform the Rito before Link's eyes. Where before, many of them had seemed downtrodden and hopeless. He now saw smiles on their faces. They spoke to each other eagerly, and a few even called out song requests. Cass took it all in stride, as did his daughters, who clearly enjoyed making music with their father. Eventually the music ended after the sun had set. Many of the crowd had returned to their homes, as had Amali with three of their daughters, leaving only Cass and his two eldest daughters. Cass set his concertina down into its case as the crowd dispersed. Several of the Rito came forward to thank Cass for his music, but very soon the only ones left were Link, Cass, and his daughters. Cass embraced his daughters tightly, rubbing his cheek against the top of their heads. Go on. I'll be home soon. I'm going to speak with Mr. Link for a time. The two girls hurried off in the direction of their home, and Cass watched them go with a fond expression. When they were out of sight, he turned to Link. It feels good to sing with them again. It is difficult to realize just how much you will miss something until it's gone. He approached the railing and leaned against it, looking out. Link did likewise, resting his elbows against the rough wood. I think I know a thing or two about that, he said. Link thought about Mifa and Daruk. 
How strange it was that he found that he missed their companionship, their conversations, their warmth. Cass hummed softly in acknowledgement, and they fell silent for a time longer. Link eventually broke the silence. I found out that Ravali did not like me very much. A memory? He nodded. The only clear memory I have of him involves him challenging me to a fight. He smiled faintly, shaking his head. I think I'm ready for some happier memories now. They'll come. Cass patted him on the shoulder. Many journeys are tumultuous when they first begin. Personalities clash, tempers flare, and even close friends learn of new sides to each other. That all passes with time. I think you're right, but it's just... Link sighed. It's not like reading a book. I experience the moment as if reliving it anew. All of the thoughts, the emotions, they're all mine. They can be hard to shake. Of course. But I am confident that they will eventually get better. My teacher indicated that with time, you two were inseparable. Rivali and I? You and the princess. Link glanced up at Cass. The Rito had a knowing look in his eye, and Link felt his cheeks flush. When did the conversation turn from Rivali to Princess Zelda? He looked away again. They eventually get bad again. The deaths of their friends. The fall of the kingdom. His defeat. Yes, but the story did not end there, did it? No, it didn't. Link took a deep breath, standing up straighter. Cass did the same. I'm going to be leaving with Teba in the morning. We'll travel north to gather supplies, and then we're going to try to launch another attack on Meadow the day after. Yes, I assumed as much. I suspected Teba would not be able to sit quietly and wait. I want you to stay here, with your family. Ah. Link met the Rito's eyes. After their journey together through Hyrule Field, it felt strange to separate from him now. But it was the right thing to do. I don't know what the Divine Beast is going to do when we attack it. Ruda used ice spikes and Rodanya tried burying us under a mountain of molten rock. They respond more viciously to me than they usually do to others, too. So, you should be here with your family. You can get them out if Meadow poses a threat to the village. You can warn the others, too. Cass watched him in silence for several seconds before speaking again. I appreciate that, Link. I will stay. But you must give me a full accounting of the Divine Beast and whatever you find in it. Don't I always? Yes, but I want even more details this time. This is, after all, my patron Divine Beast. I am very curious about what you will find upon it. Link smiled, agreeing. They remained where they were for a short time before finally they both departed. Cast to his own house and Link to an inn in Rito Village, where he was able to rent a hammock for the night.